Let's turn to the scriptures, please. Matthew's Gospel, if you have your Bible with you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, again, please. Verse 1, please. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to, hear, came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus saith unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the world, or the age? The letter I run down the chapter, please, to verse 32. The Lord Jesus continues speaking. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branches yet tender, put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that is near, even at the doors. Will you go over to Luke's Gospel, please? Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Luke 21. And we just want to lift out verse 24. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. That is the Jews he's speaking of, of his day in AD 70. But take note, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And then in verse 29, he says, And speak this parable unto them, a parable. Behold the fig tree, and take note of this, and all the trees. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now at hand. Likewise, so likewise, ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would take your word and take it to our hearts, Lord. May your spirit touch us tonight. Move upon us. Speak to us. We pray, Father, now that you would lead me in this and guide us through it. Give me the ability to rightly divide the word of truth. And we pray, Father, in Jesus' name that Christ alone would be glorified and seen this evening. So, Father, have your way with us, we ask it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The fig tree 
and violence at Jerusalem. This is part two, but it really it's the return, the return of the fig tree. Last week we showed in the scriptures how it tells of the fig tree and the fig tree and the people whom it represents. Of course, the fig tree in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the days of the prophets, the fig tree represented the house or the southern kingdom of Judah. The house or the southern kingdom of Judah. And not all of Israel did it represent, but only either those of the tribe of Judah or those living in the region of Judah or those with the temple worship in Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah. So if you want that, they went to the Jewish way of religion and they had the temple religion there in Jerusalem and hence Judah and those who lived there became known as Jews. The northern kingdom was carried away. We told you of it last week and we will maybe uh, get a chance to look a little at it this week, but really we want to focus in on Judah. We also looked last week at how Jeremiah chapter 24 speaks of the first wave of captives after the house of Israel is taken away captive. The northern kingdom is taken away captive. 100 to 120 years later, we have the southern kingdom of Judah, and now the enemy, the Babylonians, are coming after they refused God's word. They turned away from God, and they turned to their sin, and they wouldn't listen to the Lord. So the Lord allowed the Babylonians to come and to carry them away captive. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, says, go into Babylon and trust me. Believe my word. And I will bring you out after 70 years. You know, we see it on the little plaque, Jeremiah 29 and 11. Some have it on little things on their fridge. You know, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. You know, plans to prosper and do you good. And uh, Well, that was to do with Judah going into captivity. And they didn't know whether to go or not. But the Lord says, go in, because this is of me. And I will bring you out, he says. I want you to plant and I want you to build. I want you to live there well. And in 70 years, I'll bring you out. And so in that period of 70 years, we have Daniel in the lion's den, and we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fiery furnace. We have Ezekiel there, and, and he's away by the river Kivar, and there they are, and he has this wonderful vision. The visions of Ezekiel are written in Babylon. So God had a plan for them in Babylon and to bring them out after 70 years. But there were those who refused God's word, would not believe God's word. And the Lord then looked at those. Those who obeyed God's word were good figs. And those who disobeyed God's word were bad or evil figs, as the Lord had said they were. And so in 604 BC, the southern kingdom of the house of Judah were carried away captive by the Babylonians. And those who didn't fight laid down, as it were, their weapons and went in different incursions. But the like of the cream of the crop, if you want, were taken away in early. And they were called the good figs. Those who stayed behind, like Zedekiah, and he was a bad king in Jerusalem, they were called the evil figs. And hence then they, they had 70 years there. The name Judah, or pardon me, Jew, comes from the tribe of Judah. 
For example, in Strong's 3064, you can hear, you can see that the Hebrew rendering is Yehudi and Yehuda. Yehudi is the plural for Jews, and Yehuda would be the singular for a Jew. And hence that name comes forward, especially after this time, or pardon me, well, more from this time. It was just slightly in the past. The first, name you, the first time you'll read the name Jews, J-E-W-S, in your Bible is in 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 6. The first time you'll read the name Jews, J-E-W-S. It's not in Genesis. Abraham was not a Jew. Isaac was not a Jew. Jacob was not a Jew. You know, everybody says they, they're Jew. No, they're not. They are Hebrews. They're Hebrews. And in Isaac... Uh, had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob Israel had 12 sons. One of his sons was named Judah. And from there, that one part of the family is the name Jew comes from later on. In fact, in 2 Kings 16 and in verse 6, um, the first time you read the name Jews, and they're actually fighting against who? They're fighting against Israel. They're actually fighting Israel. People think, but sure, they're all Israel. No, they were Jews. And you'll read of them, Israel of the northern kingdom had gathered together with the king of Syria called Rezin. And they came down to fight against Jerusalem. And it says that Israel fought against the Jews and the Jews fought against Israel. You read it whenever you have a time. Oh, there's it there. That's it up. You have it up. Very good. Thank you, Chloe. And that's the first time you will read the actual name of the Jews. Notice here, through the years, there was 70 years and coming out of captivity, there was about 42,360 Jews came out of Babylon. And all the rest stayed in Babylon and multiplied, but they also intermingled not only their faith and their religion, but they intermingled their bloodline with the Babylonians too. And in fact, when you read of uh, the book of Esther, those are they who were there at the time. They stayed, and 42,360 came out of Babylon at the end of 70 years. They came out to rebuild the temple. You'll read the book of Nehemiah. You'll read the book of Ezra. And they're building the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. And so the rest stayed behind. They intermingled. But then you got from this later what was known as the Babylonian Talmudic teaching, which then came in to Canaan land or into Judea. And of course, that intermingled with religion and faith. And even that there was a mixture of people there. Then we have Edom and Edom and their forced conversion into Judaism. So there's a whole mixture and hodgepodge, even by the time the Lord Jesus gets there. And hence he says to some of the Pharisees and the Jews, ye are off your father, the devil. Ye are off your father, the devil. Because they, he realized, the Lord knows that they are not off true Judah. And they are admixtured not only in race, not only in bloodline, but they're admixtured in religion and in faith. And hence Christ says, ye are off your father, the devil, in his day. John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers. So notice this. 
in Mark, or pardon me, Luke 13 and verse 6 to 9, please. Luke 13. I'm going to have to do this like a Bible study rather than preach tonight, really, I think. Luke 13, if you will, and verse 6. And he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. So we looked at this last week. The Lord Jesus ministered in Judea for three years and a half. And hence he's liking this to himself, ministering on to this fig tree. Because remember, the fig tree represents Jewry. Now, the J-E-W-R-Y, the Jews. And the Lord Jesus says of this parable, the man had a fig tree in a vineyard. And hence, a fig tree doesn't usually grow in a vineyard. Vines grow in a vineyard. But this fig tree, most of it wasn't even true figs, true Jews or Judaites, as the saying is. Hence, the parable. And he says, cut it down, why cumbereth the ground? And the dresser says, Lord, let it alone this year. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then you shall cut it down. In other words, Jesus says, I've ministered for three years. And says to the Father, leave it alone this year also. And if it bears fruit well, and if not, then cut it down. And in the midst of the year, from Daniel chapter 9, the Lord Jesus and his ministry stopped when they took the Lord Jesus and crucified him. Again, there was violence at Jerusalem with the fig tree. We looked at it last week. We can't go into that. And so you see, this has happened throughout time and throughout the years. So in Mark 11, we'll not turn to it tonight. Just let me get a drink. In Mark chapter 11, you remember the Lord Jesus going into Jerusalem. We mentioned it. He curses the fig tree, goes, he sees the foliage on it, comes underneath it to take the figs of it. And what happens? There's no fruit on it. And he curses it. The next day, when they're walking into Jerusalem again, Peter says, Behold, Master, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus was doing that as a parabolic form, as an example to the Jews when he says, This is going to be the nation. This fig tree withering is the nation of the Jews. And they're going to be finished. Not going to bear any more fruit. And they're going to be torn down. And in AD 70, again, there was the fig tree and violence at Jerusalem. Whenever Titus, the Roman general, comes and they circle around their armies around Jerusalem, and of course then there were so many uh, died and taken away. And if you go to Rome, the Arch of Titus uh, is there to this day. You can go and see where it says the story of AD 70 in Jerusalem. To this day it's in Rome, and you can go and see that. So last week we looked, we covered quite a bit of ground. So the fig tree, going back the way into the Old Testament, when the Lord says to Jeremiah, tell the people to go into Babylon and in 70 years I will bring them out to trust me. Well, in 604 BC, 
what happened was the Lord was bringing judgment on the house of Judah, the southern kingdom. He had already brought judgment on the house of Israel, the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom had a capital city of Samaria in the north. And the capital city of the house of Judah was Jerusalem in the south. And in the north, they had an ungodly line of kings. In the south in Jerusalem, we had the godly line of kings. We had the temple there. And in the north in Samaria, they put up uh, idols for the people to stay and worship. And so they turned as if they were heathen and gentilized even there. And the Lord says, I'm going to send judgment on the house of Israel if they don't repent. And they didn't repent, and so they're carried away by the Assyrians. And then they are scattered through time, migrate toward the west. Notice this as well, because this is important. I'm going to show you a couple of PowerPoints soon. Take note of this. Now the southern kingdom in Jerusalem, this 100 or so, 120 years later roughly, the Lord has said, you're going the same way. You need to repent. Sends the prophets. They don't repent, and the Lord sends judgment. Now, this judgment is known as the seven times punishment. The seven times punishment. Would you say seven times punishment? Okay, because we're going to look at this. Go with me to the book of Leviticus, please. The book of Leviticus, chapter 26. And the Lord warns them a few times over. He warns them a few times over. Now take note of this. Just run your eye down to verse 18 just, and we'll take, lift a couple of these over. Leviticus 26, verse 18. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. Your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. And if ye walk contrary unto me, and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins." Just for time's sake, verse 24. Then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you seven times for your sins. Verse 28. Then will I walk contrary unto you also in fury and I will, and I, even I will chastise you seven times for your sin. Verse 32, please. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it, and I will scatter you among the heathen. Now it happened to the house of Israel, and now Judah is going to go into Babylon, and they're going to be brought back after 70 years. And the fig tree at the time of our Lord Jesus, uh, that is the Jewish nation, but represented by a literal fig tree. It has the foliage. Jesus goes to look for fruit. There's no fruit on it. He curses it, and hence the fig tree and violence at Jerusalem happened again in A.D. 70. Now take note of this. 
the southern kingdom of Judah. Let me see if I can help you any with some of these PowerPoints. Can you put the first PowerPoint up for me, please? The first PowerPoint. Give us a wee second and we'll get there. While they're looking that up. So the, the house of Israel, the northern kingdom, their last deportation, you know, the, the enemy comes back and forward carrying the people away over a period of years. There's the two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There's the two capital cities, Samaria in the north, Jerusalem in the south. And notice this, the northern kingdom is carried away captive and Samaria is the last place to fall, their capital city. And so that fall comes from 722, take note, B.C. coming into 721 B.C., okay? And then later we have the fall of uh, Judah and their last deportation would be about 604 B.C. Now stay with me because I know that's numbers I'm throwing at you and I want you to see this. So we've read Leviticus 26. Show the next slide for me, please. Next PowerPoint. So we have read that seven times. What is a time? One, 360. Two, 360. Seven times. So when you do 360 multiplied by seven, the numbers are 2,520. Okay? Everyone with me? 360 degrees. 360 degrees. And so the Lord says, I will punish you seven times more for your sin. And so hence you see here, the seven times punishment comes to 2,520. But 2,520 what? Well, it's 2,520 years. It's a long time, isn't it? 2,520 years. You see, Peter tells us that a day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So if it was a day for a year, you'd be away into astronomical figures there. But this is 2,520 years as a, a day for a year, not a day for a thousand years. So in two places in the scriptures, uh, Bible prophecy tells us that there is the scale of one day for one year. One day for one year. So if it's 2,520 is the seven times punishment, 2,500 day years, so it's going to be 2,520 years. But when does the seven times punishment start? We have already read that the Lord Jesus said in Luke 21 and in verse 24, he says, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Okay, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Have you ever read that and wondered, what does that mean? What's the times? What does he mean? The seven times punishment. Until this is fulfilled, Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles. I take note of this. In 604 BC, I'll tell you what we'll do. Go to the next one. We'll look at the house of Israel again for a moment. So the house of Israel, taken away captive in 745 BC. Notice this, 2,520 years. You have to add one because there's no year not. So it's minus one to plus one. So you have to add one. There's no year not. And it brings us to 1776. 1776, the 13 
eastern seaboard colonies of the United States of America were formed. And of course, these now, these nations you see coming, they're going to be springing up as great Christian Israelite nations. Now notice this. The fall of Samaria, the capital city, is in 721 BC. If you take the 2,520 years from that, you have 1,801. What happened in 1,801? Well, that was the union of Great Britain and Ireland. That's when you had your Union Jack formed with the, 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 the St. Patrick's Cross placed into it. It wasn't in it before. I'm going to show you that this is the nation that liberates Jerusalem. And it's already happened. And all of this comes to pass. Take note of this. Go to the next slide, please. We have the House of Judah. Your deportation, 604 BC. That's the good figs. 2,520 years for this southern kingdom. And it ends in 1917 AD. So what happened in 1917 AD? Well, if you want to go to the next one, please. It's hard to see that one. Just go to the next one, please. It's hard to see that one there. This man here, who knows who he is? General Edmund Allen Bay. He was a Christian, and another general called Lord Beauvoir, he comes and says, we want to send you over uh, to uh, the Holy Land. We want you to liberate Jerusalem. Now, Allenby knew that there were so many generals had tried this before, and every one of them came back with egg in their face because they failed miserably. They failed miserably. Now, remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago, if you were listening. The Rothschilds had bought up a lot of the land, starting from 1897. They wanted the fig tree there, because this is the gateway. You look at it today, and I don't, I don't, mean, to, I don't mean to ruffle any feathers, but it won't be surprising to me that if the Israelis go right through to the Mediterranean Sea and put up a new seaport there because they need it for the trade and commerce to be free-flowing free throughout the whole world. For example, when you have uh, the, the little nation of, of, or the little land of Israel, to the north you have the Asiatic, and to the west you have the, 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 the European, to the south you have the African continent, and to the southeast across Saudi Arabia where there was going to be that uh, tradeway that opened up just before all of this kicked off in October, uh, 7th of October. Well, all of that was announced. This little land of the Israelis, it was being used for monetary purposes, for trade and commerce. It was going to be riding on the back of, of all of those of the whole world. And what happened? We had the Gaza attack. Do you think that's strange? Do you think that's strange? I don't think it's strange whatsoever. But nevertheless, here we have General Edmund Allenby, and he uh, was approached by Lord Belvoir, asked to go to liberate Jerusalem from the Turkish Ottoman Muslim Empire who ruled it, still under the seven times punishment. Didn't want to go because all others had failed, but he brought him a book, and the book was by a man called Henry Grattan Guinness. He was a Dubliner. And the man was, yes, 
linked to the Dublin family, the Guinness Brewery family. Um, Arthur Guinness was his, I think it was his grandfather, if my memory serves me right. And he wrote a book called The Approaching End of the Age and another one called The Light for the Last Days. And in this, he's seen this day for a year in the seven times punishment of Israel and Judah. And he writes in 1888, yes, in 1888, he writes and he says, and I'm not quoting word for word, it would take too long. But he writes and says, those who see the year 1917 will see a great liberation of Jerusalem. And he writes all about this. I have his books at home. And so Belvoir comes to Allenby and he shows him these things. And he says, look at this Bible prophecy. And they were two Christian generals. And so he decides to take on the task. Now, if you ever read a book by a woman called Mary Hughes, and the book is called The Land is Mine. They're like hen's teeth, but it's a powerful little book. She talks about the bloodshed all over the Holy Land because uh, of the fighting. And they encroach into uh, Jerusalem. And the further closer they get to Jerusalem, they stop the fighting. I notice this. In 1917, General Allen Bay had the little bi-wing planes. Please put the next one over for me, Chloe, thanks. The little bi-wing planes. Now you imagine this. Hardly would have known what an aeroplane was then. And this was called the the Irv. The Earth Flying Corps, the Royal Flying Corps. And the Royal Flying Corps, and this is number 14 Bomber Squadron, they called it. And the bombers, they just used to drop them out over the side. You know, they used to drop the bombs out. And this is number 14 Bomber Squadron. Allenby brings these squadrons over, these little bi-wing planes, and he sends them up over Jerusalem. And as he sends them up and out over Jerusalem, they have not bombs, but leaflets. And they write on, they have them printed on the leaflets to surrender to the Turks. Now, this is the Turks that every general had failed to move from Jerusalem. And hence, eh, they drop all of these leaflets, and the Turks are looking up, and they see these aeroplanes. And they see them as if they're big birds in the sky. Think of the time they're in, as if they're big birds in the sky. And this fulfills a scripture of prophecy. Isaiah 31, please, and verse 5, if you want to look at it with me. Isaiah 31 and verse 5. Notice what it says. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will note it, preserve it. Now think about this. This is showing you the accuracy of the word of God. That from Isaiah was written. It must have been 3,000 years before. As birds flying, what does that mean? Away back then. Spirit of prophecy, did he show him these things? Did the Spirit show Isaiah this and he writes it down? Was it just impressed in his heart? The Lord says, right as birds flying, what does it mean? 
And as birds flying, so the Lord of hosts will defend Jerusalem. Notice what he says. Defending also, he will, notice, deliver it. And then he says, I'm passing over. He will preserve it. So this little number 14 bomber squadron flies over, drops the leaflets. There wasn't a bomb dropped. There wasn't a shot fired. And the Turks dropped their weapons and surrendered. They actually dropped their weapons and surrendered. Now, this happened on the 8th of December, 1917. And this is the, this is the month of Kislev in the Hebrew calendar. This would have been coming up to what they called the Festival of Lights. But it was the Lord Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, shall have the light of life. The Anglican hymn book in the Church of England on this same day had the hymn. They had different hymns which suited everything to do with this. And they didn't know it was all set out. You know, they have all their hymns set out. But the Anglican hymn book had the, uh, the hymn, O open ye gates that the righteous nation may go in. Who's he speaking of? He was speaking of General Allenby and a Christian nation. They walked in on the 9th of December. He walked in, pardon me, on the 9th of December in the, through the Jaffa Gate. Have we a picture of that? We do. Next picture, please. There it is. That's him walking in. They've actually, you can look these up and get them online. This is him. It's a, that great picture of him walking in. He wouldn't ride his horse in, for he said the one, the true one leader to, to, to ride their horse into Jerusalem will be the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And hence the righteous nation, those who are in Christ, walked in. Those who came through the new covenant walked in. Those who got it scattered and now regathered as Christian nations walked in. Now take a note of this. Go with me to Daniel chapter 12, please. Daniel chapter 12. We're just going to lift out a little verse here. And I want you to see this. This is tremendous. Again, the use of this is that you would see that God's in control. That you'll see the truth of the word of God. That when God says that you can't be in his heaven unless you're saved, that's the truth of the word. If it says the Lord's coming back, where it says the Lord's coming back, we must believe it. Daniel chapter 12, and let your eye run down just the first 12. Blessed is he that waiteth. Now, notice the words here, waiteth. So it's not going to happen in Daniel's day. Wait till it happens. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. Let's read it again. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and 30 days. In other words, 1335, 1335 days. Now, 
I'm going to try and simplify it so the best I can. This is 1917. Allenby's walking in. This is the ninth of Jerusalem. In 622 AD, Muhammad had the visions that he said were from Gabriel, but they were from, rather, from Revelation chapter 9, the star that fell from heaven. The Lord Jesus says, I beheld Satan fall from, as lightning from heaven. And that was the star, as it were, that fell from heaven. Muhammad says that he was in the desert, and being in the desert, he said it was Gabriel, but the, Revelation 9 calls it Abaddon and Apollyon, the destroyer, gives him visions as though it's smoke coming up. And he said, and hence we have the Islamic religion being birthed out of it. Muhammad was, uh, Muhammad was chased out of town by the Arabs at the start, out of Mecca, and he fled to Medina. And when he came from Mecca to Medina, this is when the Islamic, now notice the Islamic calendar starts. And hence, when you get through it all of these years and you get to 1917, in the, in the Islamic calendar, the year is 1335. Blessed is he who waits, it says, to the year 1335. That's 1917 in the Gregorian, our calendar that we use. All comes together on the very same day. Or pardon me, the very same year. In fact, it was just moving out of the 1335 and the 1336. So God allowed it to move right through the time to the very last moment. And he brought it together in perfection. Can you do the next po- for me, please. So this is just another one. Do the next one. This little coin here. This coin was struck up. I have one of these at home. This little coin was struck up. And 1917 was to mark the liberation of Jerusalem. So what had happened? The Turks, they were Muslim. And they gave up without a bomb being dropped, the shot being fired. Allenby's walked in. And they decided to mark it with this, with the 1917. Now you see the writing on the other side. That's a Hegira calendar mark, and that says one three three five. One three three five. Isn't that tremendous? To think that the Lord knew all of this. The Lord had this all sitting for us to see it. Now we're post this. We're past this. And we can see God's word coming to pass. One more slide. Would you put it up for me, please? So this was also number fourteen bomber squadron. They decided to have this uh, memorial medal struck up. And in below, in beneath here, you'll be able to see the Arabic writing. That Arabic writing says, I spread my wings and keep my promise. I spread my wings and keep my promise. Now here's the thing. Isaiah 31 and verse 5. As birds Flying, will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem? I spread my wings and keep my promise. And that's the little medal that they struck up for the occasion. I trust tonight you're seeing God's word come to pass.
take note of this. The Lord Jesus says, Jerusalem shall be trodden down until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now here's something a lot of people don't realize or know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. During the course of this time, so Britain had uh, removed the Turks and during the course of the next lot of years up to about 1946, 47, the Jews then turned on the British troops. Has anybody ever heard of the Ergen or the Stern Gang? Anybody? One here. Who said that? Here. Few. The Ergen and the Stern Gang. Avram Stern started up a paramilitary terrorist Jewish wing. And also there was the, the, uh, the, the Ergens, and they were another one. And what happened was, and now this is true, you can look it up and you can check me out in this. They decided in the Second World War, they went to try with Mussolini, to try and get Mussolini on their side. They said to Mussolini, if you get rid of the British for us, we'll fight them here. We'll help you defeat them because Mussolini was with the Nazis. We'll help you fight them. And what we will do is we will fight them. We'll weaken them here that you may get the victory, but you give us the land. They also then, it didn't work out with Mussolini. They went to the Nazis. This is known. This is documented. And they went to the Nazis and says, we will fight against the British troops for you if you give us the land. So what did they do? They bombed the King David Hotel in Jerusalem. They took the British soldiers and they hung them with piano wire in the, not the olive trees, what's the name? Trevor, you know the trees, that the palm groves, in the palm groves. And the British troops were strung up by these Jewish terrorists. A lot of people don't realize that. They murdered the British troops. And the British troops, uh, uh, there's more prophecy in this. I'll give you, uh, I haven't time to go into it. But there's a little scripture where the Lord says on to the house of Israel, I will take the cup out of your hand. And Britain, week after the two world wars, handed over the cup. Handed over the cup. And in 1948, the fig tree spread it. The fig tree came back into foliage, not fruit. Into foliage and not fruit. The state of Israel came into nationhood. In Mark 13 and 28, when her branches yet tender, that means, the word tenders were aflos, that means soft, and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near, or the kingdom of God is near. Now listen, the Lord Jesus warned his followers, and most of these were fulfilled in AD 70, but the fig tree has come again before, and he says it will come before he comes again. So either Jesus has already come again, as some people think. Yes, there are some Christians who think Jesus came in AD 70 and everybody else has missed it. It is laughable too, Jill. Yes, it is. So the fig trees now come again. And why is it there? Because God said it would be there. God said it would be there. 
But it's there for Armageddon because all the nations are divided over it, love it and hate it. But listen to what the Lord says. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. During the 20th century. Now listen, taking it from 1948. During the 20th century, the fig tree in 1948 starts to shoot foliage, no fruit. Let me just get another drink. It's warm up here. He's warm down there too. Is warm enough? Yeah. yeah. But in, during the 20th century, many more, the other trees, trees or nations, sprang up. For example, in 1991, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1991, the former Soviet Union broke up, shooting four leaves, all different little countries started to arise. There were some 15 republics which came out of the 74-year-old communist, if you want, Bolshevik revolution-style union. In other words, the commie union was 74 when it broke up in 1991. The former Balkan Peninsula became Slovenia, Croatia, uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Uh, When they claimed independence, then there was Macedonia in 1992 and the Union of Serbia, Montenegro in 2006. All the trees, he says, when they shoot forth their leaves. In 2011, I'm sure we'll not forget this, there was what was known as the Arab Spring. Now this is bringing us right up to date. There was the Arab Spring. For example, Tunisia and Libya and Egypt, and Yemen, Morocco, and Bahrain. And by the way, most of these countries, they were, uh, during this Arab Spring, or winter of discontent, some people called it. But why this was happening, the elites wanted to have a banking system that they ran, not theirs. The elites wanted to have a a one-worlder banking system in them all. Why do you think uh, uh, Gaddafi was taken out? Because he had his own banking system. Why do you think uh, Saddam Hussein was taken out? Because he said he was going to stop trading with the petrodollar and turn to the euro, coming away from the United States. And the elitist knew that he had his own banking system. Listen, do you know who hasn't had their own banking system? Or, pardon me, wasn't under the one-word banking system? They didn't have a, a, a federal bank. Iran, who are you hearing about in the news today? All the time. Iran. They want Iran too. All of these countries, all of their leaders were taken out. Iraq was only formed as the nation it was, I think it's around 1930s, 34, 35, I I, I think. And Saddam Hussein was placed there. He was placed there by the Americans. So when they were finished with him, they take him out. He's not playing ball. We could go on the same, the king of Jordan. The king of Jordan was placed there by the French. That was a French territory after the war. And we could go on and on with these. But these nations started to come out. The winter of discontent. Listen to this. The nation, I looked the way back to 2011. And think about it today. It's called the nation website. 
suddenly to be an Arab has become a good thing. People all over the Arab world feel a sense of pride in shaking decades of cowed passivity. Events in the Arab world are being covered by the Western media more extensively than ever before and are being talked about in a fashion that is unprecedented. Notice, and he says, we're shooting forth our leaves. You think he was reading the scriptures. So who are the Arabs? Time's almost, time's, well, the time it is. Let me teach those on this another time. The Arabs, you'll find their, their genealogy coming from Genesis 16. Now here's the thing, brothers and sisters. The Arabs are Semitic people because they come from the line of shame. The Arabs are Semitic. And their, their patriarch is Ishmael. Abraham was, uh, was with his handmaiden, or uh, if you want, his wife's, Hagar. She was an Egyptian. And they're Arabs. He had, just like Israel had, 12 sons. 12 Arab nations came out of it. You see how things are replicated here? The enemy would replicate things. And hence, of course, we could go on down that. I'll have to do that some other time. Time is flowing. But here's the thing. In Zechariah 12 and verse 2, it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about. Verse 3. I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people who burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces. I think of the peace treaty after peace treaty, the Camp Davids and all of those things that were happened right the whole way through. Peace treaty and none of them have been able to do anything with the problem in the Middle East. I think of how Britain had that cup and it was taken out of their hands. I think of how the Americans have almost went to a place at this point now. They're starting to backtrack on what they're thinking is. The Americans, they ply in millions per day, per day, millions into it. And now the Americans are starting to wonder, are they getting themselves bogged in too much with all the other nations that are coming to argue against it? The idea here that a burdensome stone, they used to have uh, a slow death where they, they staked you out in the ground like this, arms and arms and your legs, and they staked you out, stretched you out, used to get a big heavy stone and just place it on your stomach. And after a while, your stomach muscles were so weak, it used to crush your inner organs until it completely crushed you. And this is what the Lord says will happen. That's why every nation under the sun at the minute is either for it or against it. Because, you see, the elitists own a lot of the land. They have bought it up, I should say. The, the Rothschilds bought thousands upon thousands of acres up. They bought the Valley of Jezreel up. 
because of that landmass, they can go trail all over the world. It's like the center of the world. And they all want it. So I must close with this. Turn with me to Revelation 16. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now, this isn't the, the, the literal river Euphrates. In fact, last year, people were posting all over the place, oh, look, the river Euphrates is drying up, and it wasn't dried up, but it was nearly, and it was, but sure, it's filled up again. This isn't the literal river Euphrates. The river Euphrates that went round the fertile crescent from Turkey, which I had another map, from Turkey right down to Syria to the Israeli state that is now the land of Israel, went right over here and right down toward Iraq and Iran. That's where Abraham came from. Old Father Abraham came up and over the fertile crescent. Well, that was populated by people populated by the river. And hence they irrigated the land and the river went out. And the whole Ottoman Empire went right round the Fertile Crescent, right the whole way across. Well, after 1917 and the loss of Jerusalem, I think it's about 13 to 15 years later, the Turkish Ottoman Empire ceased to exist. It dried up. Completely dried up. And now it's just a Republic of Turkey that we know that some of you go and get your teeth done in and all that sort of stuff. So the Ottoman Empire, it was a, it was a mighty empire. But the Ottoman Empire, the, represented by the river Euphrates, it dried up. Listen, if it just took a river to dry up, why, why would, with all the, the modern technology that we have to fly over it, to shoot over it, to send rockets from the other side of the world over it, why would it matter if it dried up or not? But it showed in history how this all dried up, the Ottoman Empire. The river Euphrates dried up, and the water thereof was dried up, and verse 12, the way that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The kings of the east, so the east of East of Turkey and around the Middle East there would be over as far past India, right across into China, right across into Korea, Japan, the rising of the sun. Some says the transition would be from the kings of the rising of the sun. So it dries up and all these empires start to come out. We see the First World War. We see the Second World War. Now we're looking at the Third World War. Look at China. Look at North Korea. They're all starting to rise up. They're all focusing in. America and Britain standing with Israel, the Israelis. They coming against them. And when we go to Ezekiel 38, the Lord says all of these nations will come against them. We're looking toward the Third World War. It might simmer down again, but these are the same players every time. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. 
Now notice, behold, I come as a thief. In other words, we don't know when he will come. We don't know when he'll come. I've showed you tonight the accuracy of the word of God. Surely if someone didn't believe in God and you've seen all of that, you'd say there must be a God. Surely you would say there must be a God for all of this to come after all this time. The accuracy of the spirit of prophecy. So here's the thing. We're about here, somewhere around here. Are you saved? Are you ready? Not only should you pass away and die, but are you saved, prepared, and ready for the coming of the Lord? Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Strange how you will gather them together in a place that the elitists have bought over for themselves. Isn't it? They've bought the land. The Lord says, way ahead of your son. I'm going to bring them together and this is where it's going to start. And they will turn toward our nation, the United States. There will be a war. And then the seventh angel pours out his vial upon great Babylon. That's the worldwide system. Religious, ecumenical Babylon. The, that's the religious system. The monetary system. All of the, the elitists and the, the bankers and all of those men with wealth and power and the banking cartels and families. The Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers and the Goldman Sachs and we can go on and on. And he says, I'm going to turn against them and all of their commerce is going to fall. It's going to collapse. Religious financial, and then political Babylon will fall as well. See all of the owl, I don't know where it says or not, I will. See all, see all of the, that owl left, communist, woke nonsense that's going on at the minute. The Lord's going to come and he's just going to get rid of the whole lot of it. And who's going to be able to stand? Tell you who's going to be able to stand. Those who are under the blood of the Lamb. Those who are under the blood of the Lamb and are saved. So the fig tree and violence at Jerusalem. Jesus said that we are to watch and be not overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the curse of this life. You know what he said? You better have your mind ready. Better be in the right place with him. Serving, watching, waiting for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. May God bless his word to us. I trust he's got something out of that. Maybe even learned something or maybe there's one or two things you're thinking. I'm not sure about that. Do you know what I'm nearly tempted to do? Do another one next week. Maybe into the next vial to be poured out. The different types of warfare that there are there. Maybe go into Ezekiel 38 next week instead and show you the nations gathering. Leave it with me, and I'll pray about it, and we'll see what the Lord says. I know, that, I know people are interested and want to know what's going on in this day and hour, but I've been preaching this stuff for years, and the more you see it come to pass, the more excited you get about what's happening and the Lord is coming. People say, you're not afraid. I'm not indeed. I'm looking for the Lord. You're not waiting for the Lord. 
Who's looking for the Lord coming again? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. We're going to sing. Come on up, team.